If you're someone who has a passion for cut flowers, our environment, and wants to make the world more beautiful, you're in the right place. Whether you're growing flowers for pleasure or profit, I'm on a mission to empower flower enthusiasts and professionals to help change the world around them. Whether you're just starting out and need a helping hand, or are looking to scale a substantial flower business, I'm your cut flower woman. Welcome to the Cut Flower Podcast. So, I am delighted to welcome Michael Perry to our podcast today. And Michael is known on Instagram as the Plant Geek and has a loyal and very active following. Described as a hortpreneur, which I'd only learnt this year, <laughs> an author, a speaker, a TV presenter, and just doing fun with loads of plant stuff. So, Michael, tell our listeners a little bit about you. You know, how did this all start? And I started looking into your background. Yeah. And um, where did it all, where did plants get, come into your life? Uh-huh. Well, oh gosh, this is a very long story. Um, have you got a cup of tea? <laughs> yeah, I have actually. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I uh, was gardening with my grandparents when I was really young. And you know, when you're a kid, you spend a lot of time with your grandparents. You kind of, your, your parents are not cool, but somehow grandparents are always <laughs> a cool place to be. And, and my parents would send me there, you know, for babysitting and all of this and that. So yeah. And I just picked up plants and gardening from them because that's what they were doing on a big scale. They were growing chrysanthemums, dahlias in big greenhouses. They were oh. selling at the market. They were. Um, they were also exhibiting, uh, flower shows, WI market as well. And, and it's, it's so funny because actually, because I'm from dahlias and I just realized, oh, dahlias. And now we've kind of had that revival all of these, like, however many years later. And this, this is what my grandparents were growing in those days and not such classy ones, more of the brighter colored, you know, purples, you know, bright oranges, stuff like that. So, but really, really fun. Lovely childhood, learning about all of these plants, gardening. I took over my parents' garden pretty quickly, to be honest. I was loving plants. I wasn't really loving school, so I was probably hiding in the plants. Like, really, really kind of, it was a hobby that enveloped me. And my whole year was punctuated by what needed to be sown when and what I was then going to sell at the market myself because I became a member of the WI market when I was about 12 years old. selling them. And and I remember selling plants at the end of the driveway. I set up a herb nursery when I was about 14 years old, selling plants through the God as Well magazine, through little adverts in the back. Yeah, it, it wasn't a huge company. Very entrepreneurial. Oh, it was. And my parents, I, I don't think my parents ever gave me any pocket money. And I think that's because, not because they were mean, but because they saw I was making all of my own money. So it was really, it was brilliant. and. It was a great, you know, like I say, I didn't enjoy school, but everything outside of school was just brilliant because I was working with my passion. And and I really wasn't sure what I could then do when I grew up with that, but I knew it had to be with plants. So, yeah, so um, I ended up going to horticulture. Well, a lot of my career has been serendipity. So where I grew up in Suffolk, there's a horticulture college about 10 miles north of the home, my hometown. So I ended up going to horticulture college at Otley. And doing a very general course in horticulture, a national diploma. But of course, that suited me because I love being with plants. And then also Thompson & Morgan, which is a mail order plant. Yeah. Any of you guys yeah. will know. 
is also in Suffolk, which is the home, my hometown in Suffolk. And I was then, oh, what can I do? And I wasn't very confident. I wasn't going to go to university. So kind of towards the end of the college course, there was a competition in the local newspaper to design a garden at Thompson & Morgan. And I entered the competition and I, I did a very basic design, but I filled the borders with plants that were raised in Suffolk. So it was a, a nice little marketing spin. And I won the competition and uh, I didn't win a job. But afterwards, I wrote in and asked for a job and they took me on as an apprentice. And then I had an 18-year career at Thompson & Morgan doing new product development and probably all the stuff that came up on Google for you when you searched Yeah, me. yeah. <laughs> Thompson and Morgan, that make, it does make me laugh because when I ran my digital agency, and we're going back, you know, to 2000, and I ran it for about 13 or 14 years, Thomas and Morgan, one of my first clients, okay. and it was, I wasn't, I had a flower farm, but it was a sort of side hustle at that point. So it was kind of like, oh, well, I'll just contact some plant companies. Yeah. So yeah, I went over there a number of times, actually. And um, yeah, interesting, 18 years you did, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From from when I left uh, college. So when I was 18, I then was there 18 years uh, doing product development. So I was really um, introducing all the new plants. So I was traveling around, finding new plants, uh, kind of speaking to breeders, encouraging them to do crazy things with plants and creating the egg and chips plant, which is aubergine on the top, potato on the bottom, uh, tomato, also reimagining plants. So kind of... Um, uh, climbing petunias are just ground cover petunias that we trailed upwards on a frame. Tree lilies are old varieties of cut flower lily that we then released as tall lilies for the border because, of course, they go really tall because you want the stems for cutting. But in the border, they're a lovely big shrub, lovely backdrop. And, of course, lilies are perennial, so they're really like a gorgeous shrub in the border. What else? Another one. Also, oh, my God, my memory's really going. I feel, I feel like I'm getting old the last... The last few months, I really do. <laughs> um, yeah, Tom Tato, yeah, ground cover lilies, climbing petunias, all of these kind of reimaginations of plants, which is what I love to do because I was choosing new plants, but also working on the marketing. So then writing the copy, the seed packets, and that then pushed me into media work here and there because, you know, my old boss Paul used to say, well, you know the plants so well, why don't you, you know, go and do the PR on them or, you know, they, the TV would call up and like, we want you to talk about the, the black hyacinth, I think it was the first time. And I was like, no, I can't okay. be shy. And, but I went and did it because I could talk from the heart. As you know, this is always easier when it's something you're passionate about. So, yeah, and so I started to do more and more TV here and there. So it really kind of then uh, developed in that 18-year period. And I, I love my time with the company and I just um, moved on uh eight years ago now looking for a mixed portfolio of work really because this was the point eight years ago where there was a lot of newer uh hortpreneurial companies like seedball had just set up there was a yeah. an app called garden tags and i was doing some consultancy with those and kind of and i felt it was it was time to spread my wings and see what else was was out there and so yeah and then um, i know this will come up shortly but that's why to this day, I use social media, perhaps in a different way to some. I use it as a kind of portfolio. And that's how yeah. I started eight years ago to show the breadth of work that I can do for companies and for to, to help the consumer as well. So I think COVID kind of helped that whole thing, didn't it? The whole gardening sort of 
evolution i suppose in some way because more people got involved a lot more younger people got involved the whole media thing started to take Mm. off instagram started to take off in a big way and we've seen that even in the last two or three years Mm. and the whole gardening as a whole and garden media for sure um which is an area obviously you're involved in and and pr and media and and there are more gardening companies there are loads more than there ever were I know it is crazy and I think that point when I left left Thompson Morgan eight years ago was there wasn't many and that was when they were first starting and so I guess I kind of recognized a point where there was you know the beginning of something new across the whole community because even before COVID not necessarily for outdoor plants but houseplants was already becoming a bit of a thing across Instagram and kind of online as well so that was kind of brewing but but indeed in terms of grow your own and cut flowers covid really kind of propelled that I, forward yeah yeah I, i've i've seen that because the first course yeah. i ever launched on growing cut flowers was in february 2020 so yeah. just before yeah. covid and from there onwards it was just seeing the elevation of people getting involved in cut flowers and lots of people now becoming like your grandparents cut flower farmers yeah, yeah so they're yeah. either doing as a side hustle or they're actually going to be a yeah. cut flower i've never seen so many who want to be cut flower farmers it's amazing so you know, obviously people have got, you know, different time in their lives now. Of course, COVID was a very different point. But I'm really very pleased at how many people have kept that horticultural awareness yep. or side hustle, as you say, which is really brilliant. I think we're going through a really golden age for horticulture, you know, from uh, every yeah. angle, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to be part of it, isn't it? So I've noticed that you've written a book. Yeah. It's very yeah. brave because writing books is not easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it really isn't easy i've done a couple and i know anyone who tells you writing a book is easy is wrong because yeah. it absolutely is not um what's it about and how do people find it and what's the book what was the premise of the book yeah so yeah. it's called water's curious and it's all about strange and unusual plants and and it's so funny because um when people say to me oh did you always want to write a book or did you you know did you dreamt of this for years and i'm like i'm always no no i didn't really because <laughs> as you'll find with this interview i'm never I'm always just following my instinct and going with whatever comes up. I'm very good at kind of just trusting the process. So I haven't always got these big wishes and dreams because I just like things to move along. And I think that's how you stay open to opportunities because I've always got this theory about five-year plans and I don't always believe in them because I feel like you're likely to put all of that work off achieving the five-year plan until the end of year four. You know, like when you leave your homework till Sunday night, you know, is that... Too late. <laughs> I tend to like to keep myself open and I kind of like, you know, do stuff as I go along and I just feel it and do it and very instinctive. So I think with the book, it was it was never necessarily on my to-do list, but I'd been doing a lot of uh, weird and wacky plant shows over the years, which is like, uh, you know, when I'd go and talk at garden clubs and uh, flower shows. And that was really a showcase of some of the most strange plants because that's part of what I've always been interested in, new, different, and unusual plants. So it was uh, it was kind of, I would say, you say books are not easy to do, but this was a little bit easier because a lot of it was already written in my head through doing these presentations on plants. And, you know, I could explain a miracle berry to you really easily in a few paragraphs and kind of, it was just really getting all that down on paper, making sure it made sense. And and I do feel sometimes because it's 40 separate stories about plants, it's not as difficult as making a story about something. So it's kind of, yeah, I feel like I got off a little bit light. Um, you have to write thought, another one. 
Yeah, yeah, I know. Like something more of a story. No, that made me too nervous. I just want to do Horses Curious too. That would be good. So, but it's yeah. uh, DK, which is great because Darling Kindersley are the books that I poured over when I was a child. You know, yeah. lovely diagrams on the white background. They were, you know, I think one of the first books I remember was Jekka's Herb Book, which was a Darling Kindersley as well. And obviously, I, that was very, really well thumbed because obviously I was looking at my herb nursery at that stage. So, yeah. <laughs> So really quite an honor to be asked by them. It's been out for more than a year now. Uh, I have lots of copies myself because I like to sell them and kind of uh, do them with goodie bags and here and there. And I was on the Chiswick yeah. market yesterday. Oh, were you? Okay. It's raining. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very proud of it. And, and I'm proud of the style of it more than anything. It's illustrated by Aaron Apsley, who's based in Florida. Amazing photorealism to the images, which is fantastic. But also it's the way, it's the style that I've written it in because I think a lot of, a lot of horticulture, gardening, botany can be over serious. And I yeah. really want to break it down and explain stuff in a really simple day to day way that kind of almost like makes it sometimes a bit comical. You know, I'm talking about the flying duck orchid, about the way that it catfishes insects into going on a date with it and kind of all of this <laughs> kind of trying to relate it to everyone's ears because I think a lot of people switch off to plants because they think it's all too techy or they can't relate to it. So I wanted to make a book that anyone could pick up and enjoy from a botanist right through to a someone who's plant blind, you know, so that yeah. whole way. It's amazing that you've managed to get a publisher because obviously mm. having, having written a few books myself, um, it's tough. It's tough, but you yeah. did really well. And um, so, well, yeah, num number two soon. Yeah, I guess part of that, Ros, is really the way I'd always use social media as the showcase. And I suppose, you know, DK had seen what I was doing with weird and wacky plants and kind of realized that could be potential for a book. Yeah. And, you know, like what you do with Tom, I think so many people don't show what they do on social, but it is your portfolio. It's your shop window. It's your visual CV. You know, I don't yeah. know if I even have a written CV anymore because, you no. know, that's me there, you know. Uh, Somebody Lover. asked me for a written CV this week because I applied yeah. to be a trustee, a volunteer. I must need my head testing. But I tried to be a trustee of RAG, which it used to be Women's Land Army, but it's now Women in Horticulture. But it's not really women anymore. It's anyone in horticulture. But it's about changing your life, mid midlife, really, is what people okay. do. And they train you to be in horticulture. And I thought, oh, that would be a really nice thing to do. And they asked me for a CV. I thought, a CV? I don't think I've worked for anyone for 25 years. Google me. <laughs> That's what Google I was me. Saying. It's my LinkedIn profile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and also LinkedIn, because that has actually become a very useful and important platform over the last, say, two, three years. I think so. As it gained that kind of Facebook usability, it really propelled mm -hmm. itself forward because you, uh, for me, with a lot of, you know, I go to Holland, a lot of different countries, and, and this kind of LinkedIn gives me that kind of like offline contact with those people. And, and it adds, I, it kind of lubricates the business relationship in a way, you know, because yeah, definitely. you have a little bit of added something in between meeting the people, or, or maybe you never even met them, but you've got, you've got that great contact. Yeah, no, I'm a fan. I suppose, I suppose from a business point of view yeah. and having run businesses, I started there. My social media started at LinkedIn. Uh -huh and moved into other platforms after that. So I've always been a fan. It's a fan of connecting, yeah, a fan yeah. of using all the advanced tools, and, yeah, I'm a real fan. Mm. So, yeah, cool. definitely, definitely. 
So I know that you are, have a podcast and yes. that you are in partnership with Mary Ellen. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Ellen Mary. But she, how did you two get to know each other? Because I know you live roughly in the same area, uh-huh. but not completely, or do you? How did you meet? Yeah, yeah. It was actually through Garden Tags, the app that I mentioned earlier. Um, uh, just before I left Thompson Morgan, I was working with them. They were doing a launch event that was going to be in Norwich at Ellen's Garden Club. And she had a garden club called No Fear for a few years based in Norwich. I was in Ipswich, which is just in the next county. And I, I, I think that must be the first time I met her, but maybe I was aware of her before. But anyway, I went along to the launch event and we just we just got on. And then uh, I think she came to visit the Thompson Morgan Trials and I gave her a tour. And I can't actually remember. Uh, uh, I really need to chat to Ellen, but I can't remember the moment we conceived the podcast. I really can't because with a lot of what I do and also why Ellen and I work so well together is we're both quite um, instinctive with what we do. And sometimes something just feels right. And we're we're quite lucky that we're often on the same page with a lot of stuff as well. So we kind of know what each other, each other are thinking or how we're going to react to something. And, and yeah, and I think it just organically just kind of happened. And we just then started a podcast. Yeah. I really it's need brilliant, to. I, I, have, <laughs> I have interviewed her and obviously she's really into wellness and gardening yeah. and being outside. I love the fact that now following her on Instagram, she's obviously in the US. Yeah, yeah. And she spends half the time in the US, so that's really interesting. And just, yeah, it was just interesting, the two of you, because, you you know, this gardening world is actually quite small when you start to meet people on Instagram. And I thought, gosh, how did these two people come together and start this amazing podcast? Yeah, no, it was just through that. And I think, you know, then realising we had the same outlook, the same instincts, the same work ethic as well, it just kind of, just kind of worked and we're and we're very good at i guess this is with all great partnerships we're very good where one is not as strong the other is stronger you know we kind of we complement each other in many different ways and yeah like i say we're always kind of thinking a similar way and we're also always very happy to compromise on stuff as well because you're not always going to agree on stuff but you need to find a way find a way to move forward because you can't just sit there not agreeing if you know what i mean so yeah it so just who's works. been your most interesting guest that you've had on your podcast oh gosh i think oh, it was obviously an honor to interview chris packham in his back garden with yeah. his lovely six foot deep bird feeder which was really fascinating as well um but yeah that was a real honor i would say and kind of a highlight for the series but I think everything is just so different and there are always interesting stories to tell as well. Um, and it's just the learning because, you know, we, we call it the plant-based podcast, but that's sometimes a red herring because it's really plant-based. In It's not all about plant-based diets or plant-based life, but it's plant-based as in everything coming back to plants. So how you grow them, how you look at them, how you eat them, how you, uh, we're interviewing uh, Sound Matters later, how you listen to them because they're recording the sounds of plants so it really is every aspect wearing them them, eating them so yeah so it was really so broad and that just allows us to have amazing conversations and and we're always trying to think outside the box with stuff as well and yeah it's just fun so yeah chris packham would be a highlight but of course many interviews are really brilliant ones 
that we're happy to be there. Oh, I love it. I love just chatting on a podcast. It's like I've got somebody in my living room that's just having a chat and just fine moving. Okay. I love it. It's one of the, the highlights, I would say. Yeah. You know, if there was anything I was going to drop doing because I was too busy, it would never be the podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, no. <laughs> so your Instagram following is something to be proud of, for sure. You've built it up over the years. Any recommendations to anyone listening today on how they can do the same with their Instagram? Oh, gosh. Um, well, like I say earlier, um, I always have looked at it as a portfolio. So I've never, ever looked at it as something that I necessarily wanted to grow. And it has just grown, I guess, naturally through them featuring or kind of being being here, there and everywhere, I guess. But I've never really been like, oh, when I get to 50,000, then this, I want to do this or this, this and this. So it's always been that portfolio. Um, but I am proud that it is kind of like a portfolio and a diary of what I do. And really, yeah. and most important, that it's kind of like I see myself in many ways as one of one of quite a few conduits between the real serious side of the industry, thanks to my work with Thompson & Morgan and visiting a lot of, you know, multinational breeding companies across Europe over the years. I'm kind of like the link between that and the consumer sitting at home or ordering plants online or going to the garden center. because. Very often, those two simply don't talk to each other because there's so many people in between. You've got the breeding company, then you've got the salesperson, you've got the buyer, you've got the grower, <laughs> you've got all of those chains, and they don't talk. And but maybe they can't talk because it wouldn't translate right, and that's kind of why I'm there. So a lot of what I'm doing in the last few years is actually what I would call industry influencing. And companies come to me because they want to create content around the plant, not just to get it out to consumer but also to amplify it um, within the industry as well, because I'm followed not just by home gardeners, but also industry too. So yeah. it really is, yeah, trying to connect society to what happens in, in the creation of plants, really, and also the creation of food, if we're talking about food plants too, which is obviously really, really important stuff to for us to all work on. So, Stay with us. We'll be right back. The small business... Do reels get you reeling? Is SEO just a three letters put together? Content planning something you know you should be doing, but just never get round to it? Do join our growth club online. What is it? It's a supportive community. It's all about growing your business. It provides trainings and guest speakers join us every month. Is it time to work on your business and not in it? The link for more information is in the show notes. Wow. Hmm. And if you're on a desert island then, what yeah. would you take with you? What would be the things you would take with you on your desert island? <laughs> I hate these questions. Um, I would take uh, a... <laughs> I think so hard to answer. I would take... Uh, I want to say something clever. I don't know. I would take a cruise ship. <laughs> Yes, yes. Get your way out. I always thought I'd take a hori hori knife so at least I could cut some stuff. Oh no, I'm not thinking of that, Ross. <laughs> but you're thinking much bigger. How the hell do I get out of here? I'm really not sure. What I would say, and this actually this sounds a bit kind of um almost like I don't know, predictable, but what I would take is a is a working phone, a smartphone, because then because I think over the years, like 
a lot of people are embarrassed about smartphone use and like, oh, I don't want to spend too much time online or Instagram or this, this, and this. But I think you'll you'll feel the same as me. It's Instagram and social media that has connected so many of us. And, you know, lonely old eight-year-old me at school not really enjoying things. I would have loved to have Instagram to find other people that had this same plant passion that I felt so weird about. So yeah. if we had those connections. So I never feel guilty about using social media, being online, connecting through the Internet. So I think my Desert Island choice would be a working smartphone and a satellite connection. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you think has been your biggest challenge along the way in your career? You seem really laid back. You take it as it comes and you're open to opportunities. Have you faced any yeah. challenges? Have you thought, oh, gosh, I need to go and do something different? Or yeah. That's a really, really good question. Um, I would say I'm always, and I, I think this is almost going to partly answer the next question as well, which which I know what I know what's coming up, is, I would say I always want to be very positive, very upbeat, not only for myself, but also for the outside world, you know. So I really, I only show the positive side of stuff online, which is kind of not, not necessarily kind of being fake, but it's also kind of like, you know, good therapy for me because I want to create positivity around me as well. And also I see a lot of the positive in stuff anyway, kind of naturally as a person. So I would say, yeah, I like to continue with that. And I think having that has helped me to make good connections. I feel very secure with a lot of good connections in the industry. Having that access to consumer as well feels a really privileged position. Uh, in terms of challenge, I would then need to kind of look back because you don't always know the challenge at the time, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would say because I actually started in the industry really young, I started at Tom Smog when I was 18. and. I started as an apprentice to the horticulture manager, but he actually left for another opportunity after about eight months of me being there. So I, I didn't really have much training per se, but I was then thrown into doing a lot of his work and a lot of his job, which was kind of really uh, overwhelming, but very exciting. So I kind of feel like at Thompson & Morgan, I really grew up in public because people saw me as kind of like a younger, immature guy that kind of then, was taking a lot more responsibility and kind of they saw that whole process. And, and I think also across the industry, people in PR, they kind of know me as, you know, maybe that younger guy that kind of wasn't as serious, didn't know as many things. And I think as time goes by, there's less and less connection with that and my present day. And so I think maybe over the years, my challenge has been maybe people that would have perceived me, you know, in my immature kind of lacking knowledge way, kind of lacking the skills that I now have. So yeah, that's kind of, that's a brilliant question. It really made me think about that. Sorry. I hope Challenges. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Cause they yeah. say obviously working for one company for 18 years and you go in at 18, it's hard to shape the image of the 18 year old boy when you're 28. I know. Cause you're not the same person when you're 28 as when you're 18. And my advice always to people was move on after two or three years and go. Yeah. So people never remember you as the naive 18 you are old you when you started but it's yeah it's getting people to accept that you're very different at 28 than you are at 18 oh so, but if you if you think i was still then working there when i was then 35 because i was there for 18 years so that <laughs> so you're really there as a you know in a very different styles of person but people always like your parents they always grip onto how they know you originally 
So it takes a while to kind of always shake that off. So, yeah. yeah. And in terms of, um, yeah, being there 18 years, but in the kind of niche that I'd got myself in, there wasn't many places to then do that. No. So I guess now thinking, because your question is so good that they're really making me think on the spot. This is <laughs> a good sign. Um, it kind of then meant that I was, that's probably why I was a little bit more gagging for a mixed portfolio career because I had been in one company for a long time and I hadn't had, there weren't many options to then go and do a like-minded role. So I then wanted to try a lot of different roles all at the same time. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense now. It's funny how life just goes, doesn't it? You haven't planned yeah. it. It doesn't happen like that. You end up doing something you're passionate about, hopefully. Yeah. And I always say to people you're not passionate about it, go and do something else. You're yeah. not on this planet for long enough. Definitely. And um, that's why also why you can never really fully know the plan of stuff. You can have a rough idea, but having some set written down plan, I personally, I don't believe in it because that it locks you in. You don't notice the opportunities that are, you know, racing past you. You don't allow yourself to pivot as well. And, and I think sometimes I don't know what the plan was until I look back and see what I did. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I don't yeah. do a five-year plan, no chance whatsoever. No, Life no. moves so, so quickly for that. Don't even do three. You'd be lucky, I'll do 2024, and I'll have a yeah. plan for 2024, yeah, and that's yeah, about yeah. as much yeah. as it gets. But also, um, I was like change my mind halfway through 24, because sometimes with a plan, someone something will come up, but they'll be like, oh, no, but I'm doing that, and then they won't do the new thing that could be cool. And, and sometimes you end up, you know, putting all your energy into something just because you said you would do it, but it might yeah. not be the best thing to continue with, you know. The market's very strange yeah. at the moment. The mm. world is very strange at the moment and things are moving so quickly that you've just got to be agile, you know, and mm. if that doesn't work, try something else. Yeah, 100%. Kind of like, yeah. going to be an odd year, 2024 for sure. So three quick questions then. What's your favourite flower? Your most unusual favourite flower? I've probably never even heard of it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The new Plants of Distinction Autumn Catalogue is now available and contains over a thousand different flower and vegetable seeds with over 150 new and exciting varieties added this year alone. Cut flowers in an extensive array of individual colours are a speciality and added to this are many unusual annual and perennial seeds together with the hard to find heritage favourites. So if you're looking for something little different be it choice cutting flowers suitable for both fresh and dried arrangements or cottage garden and container growing varieties, you need look no further. You can download or request a copy of the new autumn catalogue by visiting the website plantsofdistinction.co.uk where an exclusive 30% discount is available to all podcast listeners when ordering seeds by using the discount code CUTFLOWER. <laughs> my most unusual well my favorite flower is usually an iris because when i was a kid i remember painting an iris on a stone for my grandma and and i think i've got great memories of uh she taught me how to divide the iris in the border the roots and how the rhizomes wow. get the sun on the bearded iris so it's a really it's always i bill it always as my favorite plant and it is one of the most varied families as well. And that is another reason I love it because there's one, there's an iris 
of every shape, size, every color of the rainbow, every continent, every month, you know, exotic ones, fruit ones that we can grow easily in the UK. So I would say iris as a genus is my favorite. Wow. I'll allow you that one. And when you were a child then, you, I mean, you got into plants really early. And so I always say to people, what was your dream job when you were a child? And I've spoken to people who wanted to be air stewardesses or cabin crew, as we call them now. I've spoken to people who wanted to be pilots. I wanted to be a doctor. I'd have made the worst doctor on this planet. Yeah. But you have this, you know, you go to the careers office, don't you? And they talk, sit down and go, what do you yeah. want to be? And you kind of like, well, you're, they have this list, don't they? That's yeah, kind of like yeah, not very true. inventive. And I think if you just said, I want to be a horticulturalist, I think they'd have laughed at you. Yeah. Um, totally. Which they wouldn't now, which is quite interesting. But do you think then you knew you wanted to do Saint class or do you think you had another idea you were going to do something else? I had a short moment where I felt I wanted to be a vet until I uh, <laughs> did some work experience and saw a castration. Um, right, that's the end of that, yeah. But I think I always, I even now, I'm not very good at thinking too far ahead. Again, you know, this is that whole five-year plan discussion, but I wasn't even thinking that far ahead when I was young or even when I was, even when I was a teenager. Like, I kind of just, it's funny because looking back, I kind of fell into going to college because that was, like, like I said, serendipity. There was a horticulture college there. I wanted to work with plants, so I did it. So I didn't really think too much further beyond that. And I was then very lucky getting the job at Thomas Morgan again, serendipity. So I kind of, I've never really done stuff with too much of a plan. And that's why I guess, you know, sitting here now, I just learned to follow my instincts because I don't know, even if it's not right, it usually works its way right. Or you find a way that it is right. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just following passion, isn't it? Ultimately. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's following passion. And, and I guess I always knew I wanted to work with plants in some way, but I could never have imagined the job that I do now or did at Thompson and Morgan. So that would have been impossible. So Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I did a degree in environmental chemistry and was all about the environment and CO2 and ozone layers. And you're thinking this was really early. I'm old, so this was really yeah. early. And most people didn't even know anything about the environment. And I only did it because actually I couldn't get into medical school and I had three science A-levels. I went, oh, oh, I quite fancy that one. Didn't even know where it was. It was in Plymouth, yeah. four hours away. I lived at four or five hours away. And I just went. I just okay. went and I went to a and b and I stayed there and I did three years and I loved it. But then I kind of left that and went into marketing and sales and spent my whole career in running digital agencies and doing all sorts of things in marketing. And then I come back round again and go, okay, we're talking about the environment, isn't it? So mm. it's all about planting and I had this side hustle and I really preferred that and that was a bit of a passion. But it was never, if you'd asked me when I was 18 about growing, I'd never grown anything as a yeah. child. At all. I was brought up in a new town. We didn't really have big gardens, and I certainly didn't have any grandparents who were gardening. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it's quite a. But I wouldn't have ever predicted that. So I kind of say to people, "Well, just follow a passion and see whether it's going to take you there." Totally. It's kind of like I think yeah. very with many things in life. You know what we're talking about now, but also in professionalism, in personal life, we should follow our instincts more because I think we we use so much energy just blocking our instincts or ignoring them. If we just followed them, we kind of, it would work itself, you know? Definitely. 100%. You often know what is right deep down. Yeah. Yeah, you do. So if you won the lottery, what would you do? 200 millions just landed in your bank account today. That would be nice, wouldn't it? What would you do? I don't think I would. I really enjoy my life with, you know, 
looking at plants, uh, relationships, travel, kind of. Um, I think the only change would be to then live somewhere hot, maybe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. I'll have some hot time, yeah. Oh, my God, it's just so dank. <laughs> no. Awful. Yeah, I think just that, really. I, I wouldn't, because with my job, I'm very lucky. I do get to travel a lot, and I'm very good at balancing kind of personal travel with, you know, my working life anyway. So I'm kind of relatively happy with kind of that layout of stuff anyway. And and I don't know if it would be that attractive to be on holiday all the time, if you know what I mean. It sounds good, but yeah. <laughs> I, I think life needs a bit of punctuation here and there. I guess because I really enjoy my work, I don't see it as work as well. So maybe that's yeah. a different perspective, perhaps. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't give up work. I no, build no. a gardening school for 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 mental health or something i'd do something exactly and i'd just go bigger i'd probably just go bigger which is probably not what you should do when you win the lottery yeah um, invested in what is your passion already you know yeah yeah but i I won six pound 80 on saturday so that doesn't really count does it on the way darling (laughs) (laughs) so michael what's for you next what is 2024 gonna bring or at least the first six months of 2024 um no uh i've invested a lot in substack recently which is like the kind of blogging Have kind you? Of blogging. okay yeah and yeah. that's quite interesting because you're you're not relying on the algorithms of different platforms like social media uh instagram facebook because people subscribe to you and it comes through as a newsletter you could also yeah. monetize that as well because you know we shouldn't be shy about monetizing our knowledge here and there not a bad thing. Uh, so that, um, obviously different TV work, um, work quite a lot with QVC in the spring season. Uh, lots more kind of breeding companies that want to work with me to highlight their products and plants, which is really nice because it's kind of like through recommendation through the industry. Um, I'll be in Seattle speaking at the Northwest Flower Show in February. Oh, uh, interesting. Great events here and there and I, I know already February's got about three different foreign trips. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. You do get tired. Yeah. It's not all glamour. You know that. No, sure. no, 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 no. I like, I mean, I went to the American Association, a speciality cut flower conference last oh, yeah. year. It's amazing yeah. because yeah. I learned an awful lot. I have to say their their conferences are quite technical, which was brilliant. Yeah. Um, I learned some stuff. Yeah, yeah, really good. I'd go again, go next year. It was, um, and they're much more, flower, as flower farmers, they're much more a cooperative model. They much more work together. Oh, they're really? much, okay. yeah, they've got the distribution sorted out, which we haven't. Uh-huh. Um, I think there's a lot to be learned. So I'm very envious of you going yeah. to Seattle, actually. Very envious. Oh. Yeah, they're really, um, when I went on this Garden Com thing, they're really good at kind of meeting new people, kind of going through new ideas. And the, and the content is always very technical as well. I noticed that, which is really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that's your 2024. More travel, more sun, more getting out of this dank day that we've got. It can oh, only no. be just that. I don't but, remember when the sun was last out. What is going no. <laughs> So, Michael, thank you very much for coming over. We will be putting all of your Instagram and all of your contact details in the show notes so people know where to get you. They can give you a follow. They can look at your stub sack. They can even come and get your book. But, yeah, wealth of knowledge of plants that I wouldn't even know how to pronounce. So (laughs) (laughs) thank you very much for coming over today. I truly appreciate it. Thank you very much. (laughs) 
I look forward to next week's episode. Please don't forget to subscribe and rate and review on your podcast app. We do have some wonderful free resources on our website at thecutflowercollective.co.uk. We also have two free Facebook communities, which we'd love you to join. For farmers or those who want to be flower farmers, we have Cut Flower Farming, Growth and Profit in Your Business. And our other free Facebook group is Learn with the Cut Flower Collective for those starting out on their flower journey. All of the links are below. I look forward to getting to know you all.